This is Drive Time Prop, 30 minutes of jam-packed, up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. Every weekday, this is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story is the, continues to be, Hurricane Dorian. Hurricane Dorian is, I just heard on the news, uh, the greatest problem with Hurricane Dorian is the fatigue that is setting in and the fact that people are complacent and not listening to media and the horrors of the hurricane. And I can tell you why I think people are getting a little fatigued by this. Dean tweeted me an article from 2015 but it's almost still totally true, which is that an unprecedented drought had existed until that time of nine years when before major hurricane had made landfall in this country. It was an unbelievable hurricane drought, unprecedented. And actually that drought continued all the way through uh, Harvey. So there, it had been 12 years since a major hurricane had hit, made landfall. So this idea that hurricanes are getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse is, does not seem to bear out. So the fact that people are always on high alert makes you think that they're fatigued. Yeah, and they're saying that they're getting stronger and they're stalling out, which is something I anticipated they'd say because of climate change. Stalling out? Stalling out over the Bahamas has been one of the main angles they've been taking, saying it's just punishing the Bahamas. How is that a climate change thing? They're saying it raises the temperature in the water, and it causes the anchor currents. or They use a bunch of climate change trigger words. (laughs) Yes, right. We're going to continue hearing this until at least Wednesday, because on Wednesday is CNN's seven-hour-long climate crisis panel town hall that they're having perfect that fits right in uh the the just for people in georgia who are listening trump made georgia a an emergency state of emergency so that we could get federal funds it's kind of crazy one thing that i noticed about or an, an issue that keeps coming up is that 5g is supposedly making weather prediction harder but i had already Notice that weather prediction was ridiculously inaccurate more and more the older I get. And I had to assume it's because I look up and airplanes are creating clouds. You can wiki that. You don't have to, you don't have to call it solar radiation management or chemtrails or whatever. The, they actually say, oh, it's not chemtrails. It's not solar radiation management. It's just that airplanes now create cr- clouds in their wake that change the weather. <laughs> so... So they have this phenomenon, and that is why it's whether how can you predict how many planes are going to leave clouds in their trail? So to me, it simply must interfere with weather prediction, but they're blaming it on 5G, which I think is hilarious because there's nothing we're going to do about 5G, and it just sweeps it under the rug. Yeah, we're nothing going to do about planes either. They're going to stay too. But but they could – I mean they they have pollution protocols for stuff like that. I bought all these books from the 70s on – on jet fuel and pollution and all that kind of stuff because they addressed it. And then all of a sudden we've got this crazy, like massive amounts of water vapor that comes out of planes that didn't used to. And there's just no explanation for it, but I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. I will say I had an unpleasant Twitter experience related to the hurricane. It says, 
I don't know if you saw that I sent a, t- a, a tweet out. I saw this thing comes across my phone. It says grandmother cries as she reveals grandson eight died in the hurricane. So it's a big thing comes from the Daily Mail and it's like, oh, look, see a grandmother is crying. Let's look. <laughs> you know, I just was like, that's so uncool. And I wrote, I tweeted, have we sunk so low that, quote, grandmother cries is something we want to see. You know, And it got liked like dozens of times. People were like, yeah, if it bleeds, it leads. Or um, you're, you haven't, you've just noticed this clickbait stuff. And of course, I hadn't just noticed it. So somebody, instead of just responding to me like most people would do, he retweeted with comment, and the comment was, you'd rather not see it, question mark, you know, implying that I'm an a-hole. Like, he was just starting to F with me. But normally, if you were Fing with somebody, you would just reply to their tweet and have that conversation. He tweeted his reply to, like, the entire, his all his followers. Yeah. Right? So I just wrote, you know, it, it feels exploited of her and of us. Exploited. They're exploiting this chick's grief. And I didn't say there, but I was having a conversation with somebody else. Like, I've had tragedies. I've, I've experienced them. I've witnessed them. And, like, the last thing you would want is to have your, whatever, your front lawn full of media, for example. Like, that's just not what you want. So then he replies to me, a grieving grandma who lost her grandchild is exploitive. Indeed, how low have we? Like I, like I'm, you know, I just find that kind of stuff. And so I looked at him and of course he's just, uh, whatever, social justice warrior. I I can already picture most of his tweets just by the way you described that. Yes. AOC features. Yes. And probably all the Stephen Colbert retweets also. Uh, Maybe it could be. That story about that child has not been officially confirmed. So it's been, it was reported. Oh, no way! <laughs> As of well, this did, morning, it hadn't. That's funny. Because I did think I was... Officially confirmed to be caused by the hurricane, I should say. Right. Well, after that other... I mean, that was nothing compared to that California tragedy we were talking about. Yes, the California boat tragedy where 39 people are being presumed dead after a boat that was on a... Deep sea diving expedition over the Labor Day weekend caught fire. The five people, the five employees that were running the boat were sleeping on top. They jumped off. They swam, got to safety to another boat, and everybody underneath the boat died there. They're presuming anyway. It was It's a terrible tragedy, and there was a phone call to the, to the 911 from somebody inside there, and they were apparently locked inside in the bottom from what it sounds like on the phone call. Did you hear the phone call? I read the transcript of it. Well, I, 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 my first thought was, well, they might not. I, I listened to the guy who was on the scene, like rescued the workers. This is what, what I heard. So when I first heard the story, I was like, all the workers got off. Almost all of them. The Mm -hmm. founder of the company did seem to die. She must've been in that chamber below. Her name was Christy Finstad. She, they can't find her, so she's presumed dead. But the crew got off and got into a dinghy and went to the closest boat they could find. I think the captain tried to set off a mayday call but couldn't. So they went and got the guy, and they told him, so this is a witness who was being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos, saying that what they said to him was they opened the door to go down and get those people 
but it was so insanely hot just in that only way to have access that the fire, the roof, the ceiling tiles were actually burning in that room. There was absolutely no way they could get down there. Like you could not get down there. And so they got off and went for help. I was feeling like you're supposed to rescue people, but it did not seem like it was possible. And that witness said he looked across and he said there were the flames were 30 feet high and there was no place on the boat that was not burning just from one end to the other. So I, I, I just, it's just a horrible tragedy. And just by the way, there are no names released, no names yeah. of the family. They're not interviewing people. So when I saw the grandmother cries about the hurricane and all the press that you normally get after these tragedies that have a predetermined policy goal. So like Rahm Emanuel, never let a good crisis go to waste. As soon as a crisis that, I mean, let's say the most generous interpretation of that Rahm Emanuel doctrine is that they, they wait for crises that serve their purposes. And unlike one of those crises, which basically makes up 90% of that kind of news or almost 100%, they, they don't have a policy to push. They're not trotting people out to cry for the cameras. They're not invading their privacy. They don't, they're not posting grandmother cries as daughter dies in boat fire. Like there's not, it's like, it's like people are shocked and devastated and having some respect because they're not being egged on by you know, media or politicians who want to exploit it. Yes. That's what I meant about, you know, grandmother cries right. is not, don't, t- don't make me listen to that. And the grandmother thing with the hurricane, as well as the alleged other, other four deaths on the Bahamas, that is always used as a way to bridge to, you still need to be prepared for it. You need to be prepared. It's going to hit, even though it had been, it's pretty much going to be clear of Florida and one CNN Weatherman even said after that he expected mass casualties. Well, I was in Hurricane Rita in Houston, which was right after Hurricane Katrina, and the only people who died died because the government called for unnecessary and inefficient evacuations. Yeah. And that's what killed people, putting everybody on the road and all that. One of the guys listening to CNN, I totally thought of you this morning, where he's like, yeah, the, the winds are bad, the ocean, the ocean. Uh, we can see some blue sky right now, but it's really the ocean that's the problem. Like, you can see blue sky? <laughs> so yeah. Meanwhile, hurricane. there's 40 surfers behind them. <laughs> right, like, right, hang ten. <laughs> so, all right. Um, oh, I had a couple of little quick hits that I thought were noteworthy. One was... This article from Wall Street Journal over the weekend by Mattis. Now, people don't talk about this, but it drives me crazy that the very first act as president that Trump did was to violate the rules of having civilians run the Department of Defense by signing a law that would allow a recently retired General Mattis to run the Defense Department. You're supposed to have separation because otherwise you're really at risk for a coup or martial law or the military-industrial complex, creating foreign policy, that kind of thing. But just the title of this guy's long, and I'm sure full of crap, article is Duty, Democracy, and this is important, Duty, Democracy, and the Threat of Tribalism. The Threat of Tribalism. And this is important because a long time ago, I think on a WSB show, we were talking about 
the George Soros's open society is a reference to Karl Popper, a philosopher who I believe he may have actually, maybe I have my dates wrong, I'm not sure, but Soros studied that and maybe even knew Popper at London School of Economics. I think he did. Okay, so open society, actually, I always find the wiki entry interesting on this one. It says... Uh, it was coined, the term was coined in 1932 by Bergson. The idea was further developed by Popper. Uh, Bergson describes a closed society as a closed system of law or religion, like a closed mind. It is static. Bergson suggested that if all traces of civilization were to disappear, the instinct of the closed society for including or excluding others would remain. In contrast, an open society is dynamic and inclined to moral universalism. Okay, so open society is better. There's no law or religion to speak of, uh, or I should say no differences in law or religion. Now think about that for a second. Do you really, and, and the North American Union that Heidi Cruz and William Weld and the CFR wanted to institute here, it said that they, what they were going to take was Canada, Mexico, and the U.S., and whatever, like, labor laws, environmental laws, anything like that, they would take the most restrictive law in any one of those three countries that was passed by the legislature and impose that on the entire union. So it's not like it's the least restrictive law. It's the most. And then it just says, he says, Popper saw the open society as part of a historical continuum reaching from the organic, tribal, or closed society through the open society marked by marked by uh, a critical attitude to tradition uh, to the abstract or depersonalized society lacking all face-to-face interaction i don't really get that one it says in open societies the government is expected to be responsive and tolerant and its political mechanisms transparent and flexible it can be characterized as opposed to authoritarianism that i think is easily dispensed with. So they're saying, we think of open society, we think of open society as being like a liberal society, as in libertarian and transparent and all that. It definitely lends itself to authoritarianism. What it is trying not to do, what it is trying to get rid of, is is differences in law and religion. Mm -hmm. And people did not really embrace this concept unless they had like an axe to grind like George Soros probably had. So it had to be create turned into a threat. And that's why we got identity politics on the right. And that's what Mattis and these other guys are feeding into. And that's why they actually openly say the word tribalism. Uh, so I just thought that was something to notice and inform there. And one other thing, that I wanted to hit on, and I'm going to, it's a call to action to Byron, <laughs> who is my uh, friend of the show. I saw an article today in the Wall Street Journal that one of the, that a bank in China, and it's not the first one who's had trouble, decided to suspend its interest rates for a year. And as I read the article about the back backstory and other things that have been happening, it doesn't mention anything about the China trade war. And I remember hearing a while back that China was going to hit its own headwinds and have some problems. And I am now thinking that the, the U.S.-China trade war could be an excuse for both of them to use, and they could blame it all on Trump, 
that would mask the underlying problems with this highly controlled financial system when it starts to break down. They're like, it would have been perfect if that nut job didn't get in there. So they can, they can both blame free thinking or whatever people associate with Trump, anti-globalism with the, these collapses, but we, we saw them coming already anyway. And then I don't know how this plays into Hong Kong or if it does, but Hong Kong protests are getting worse, and the students are now boycotting, not showing up to school. It's causing all sorts of strife in their families. And I thought maybe, keying into what you've said before, that telling kids not to go to school may be a, an example for the mimicry here. Yeah, which there was a little bit of that maybe a year ago when they were – they did the walkouts at the schools here. so that Yes, could... which my son, who has a one-on-one aide because he has Down syndrome, po- participated in that. They're like, we're not running it. Yeah. The kids are doing it. We're just not stopping them. I'm like, really? Yeah, So yeah. he was that. So, and then they put him in ROTC, and now he wants guns. Like, it's just the brainwashing that is possible at school is scary. Anyway, so that's Absolutely. just uh, something that's coming probably. I have a quick update to the Popeye's story, the public relations stunt where they offer their chicken sandwich. Someone is suing Popeyes for false advertising. Good for that person. And then there is also someone who pulled a gun on a Popeyes employee last night because they are out of sandwiches. So, where was that? Do you know the town or the I state? don't. I don't have the town because there are some states in the crosshairs right now. That's a good question. I don't have the town. I can find it. Well, I'll tell you. I, the only reason I ask is that the Texas shooting, which was in Odessa, follows on the El Paso shooting. As my Priest said in church, let's pray for the victims of this week's shooting. And I first time I heard that, so the guy got stopped in a traffic stop, shot a couple of people, got out, st- stole a postal truck, and then shot a bunch more people. Like, I, I mean, it's just the details are – you want to finish it, that? It was in Texas. Yeah, it was in Odessa, Texas. The, no, the Popeyes like, thing. Oh, it was? Yeah, it was oh. in Texas. Yeah. yeah, Texas and Alabama seems to be in the crosshairs. So the 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 Odessa thing when I heard about it, I mean it didn't it didn't take me, I mean not a split second. I was like I I didn't know that it would not happen in this case, but I did know it would not happen in this case. For once, I would like once one time I would like a public trial of one of these perpetrators so we know the real story because we have seen time and time again in the mainstream media these stories that go underreported yet they are there that the government finds targets vulnerable people for sting operations and sometimes those sting operations go wrong i don't know what went on here i don't know the details but what you want is to have a fair trial and i'll give you one example of when i didn't expect to get it but it got got and the person got off the public defender died in suspicious circumstances shortly thereafter, but that was the Kate Steinle killer uh, uh, suspect. He, he, his last charge was just dropped. That guy was found totally exonerated. And I knew that story was fishy, and it was a miracle that he got a public defender who went to the mat for him, made a documentary about it, which is nowhere to be found, completely gone, and the guy who made it is dead. But I don't buy these stories. I, I don't know what happens. I don't not know what happens. I, just, or I definitely don't know what happens. But I don't buy these stories because the facts are not vetted, and I do not trust the media or the politicians to 
be truthful. Yeah, there, the facts in this story are definitely – it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they're rushing to make it about gun control. You got Beta O'Rourke with his new catchphrase, which is the F word. His, that's literally his new catchphrase is saying the F word on all the major networks when he talks you about know how I hate gun that. control. Yeah, he's actually re-energized his campaign on the backs of all these shootings in Texas. It, it's not, not but a split second before it's rushed to be politicized and to, to talk about guns. And this story in particular, just I I wanted to, yes, of course, but I wanted to follow on like why this sounds like a suspicious story and something to watch out for. He, first of all, they immediately said, oh, well, he didn't go through a bank background check. And then Walmart came out. It was all over the news this morning with a whole raft of new ideas. I'm happy to read that where he responds to that issue and uh, but the thing with this guy that was fishy, he was recently fired, supposedly he was in a rage, but he had no online footprint and no family that was reachable. There was no background check apparently. And the police, and, and here's the thing that I would say, watch out for. So no online footprint is pretty surprising because that may be true, but it almost never, it, in many of these stories, like the mental health have like, they, they, they look only at the online footprint. So I really don't know anything about this guy. And we're not going to know anything about him, except that there were a couple of incidents where the cops, people called the cops on him for like shooting squirrels in his backyard. Now, there are some like rural places where people do that. So I, I don't think that makes him doesn't say, you know, urban people will think that sounds crazier than rural people will. But my point is. You see a lot of times that these people had like relatively minor incidents reported. And I wonder if that is a, like that El Paso shooter. I just wonder sometimes if you were going to operate a sting on somebody, you know, uh, uh, some say, okay, this, so the police call comes in, maybe you have to report it to the FBI. And then the FBI says, oh, I wonder if this guy's really up to something. Let's try to sell him this trunk full of guns and see what happens. If he buys them, we'll know he's a bad guy. And if he actually, let's see what he does next. Let's do some research, some new knowledge style research. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what happens if we let him drive away with the guns. I'm just saying you could, I I believe that they look for vulnerable people and just a little police call like that, that will, that may start a terrible series of events. I don't know. Like, don't, don't. Call me crazy. I know I what just, you mean. I yeah. You want to question that stuff because there's been so many incidents in the past where it hasn't turned out to be what it, they initially reported it as, and it was an FBI agent that came out and said him getting fired is not why he did this. He was already upset and angry before, and this was an FBI agent saying that. And this FBI agent, Christopher Combs, was he has quite a quite a resume he used to oh, be i saw his name and it rang a bell do tell do tell yeah he used to be the strategic communications officer for the fbi which is propaganda the propaganda yeah john miller yeah was was one of those type guys and he was too, the yeah. on-scene initial initial on-scene fbi commander at the pentagon on 9-11 and he served as the representative of the unified command for the um investigation into the anthrax mail attacks of 2001 so he's a Mueller buddy yeah he's and comey i think he's even. involved in all the major all the major incidents yeah this i've guy's definitely in. heard that name and why is he on the scene i i, I guess the fbi is always in on it well he's but... now in charge of the investigations unit in the san antonio division so i guess that's but why it should he was... be a local crime that's true oh but he had a postal truck 
Yeah, that's interesting. I was wondering where the postal truck was going to come into that. Yeah, interesting. These little details matter. I do that. That's the one that uh, kind of stood out to me. I was like, maybe because the door is open and he chose that, but it goes really slow, those mail trucks. But it wasn't the only shooting that happened this weekend. Oh. There was a shooting in Alabama, a high school shooting at a football game. Ten people were shot by a 17-year-old. Nobody died, but ten people were shot. And then I believe uh, you mentioned – There's another one. Yeah, there was one that was a kid, a 14-year-old, shot his family, and then he went and turned himself in. Yes, and Alabama's definitely been in the crosshairs lately. I think Trump said the word Alabama recently, which is probably enough to get you to uh, go crazy. But is it was Sessions from Alabama or Arkansas? Alabama. Alabama. Roy Moore was Alabama. So the guy they put in in Roy Moore's place through the deception of election meddling of new knowledge. Mm -hmm. So maybe that guy has got. Maybe he's compromised somehow. He's got to play along in Alabama. But the the story of the shooting, the kid killing his family, it reminded me of two other stories, both of which were knife attacks, so you probably never heard of them. But there was one that really stuck in my mind from July of 2015. It was the Broken Arrow, Oklahoma story where the two teens killed their entire family. They, I believe, yeah, they killed their parents and their th- and three of their siblings. Two of their siblings survived, a two-year-old and a 13-year-old. A lot of kids in that family. Anyway, they one pled guilty and one fought it, but they both ended up with life, the two teens. They were sentenced about a year ago. That was in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And then the one that I can't believe no one ever talks about or anything was Isabel Martinez in July 2017, so two years ago. She stabbed to death, remember, her husband and her four children, and then one one of the children survived. She was in Gwinnett. She, she yeah, was, like, giving the that. thumbs up at the hearing. Yeah. She pled guilty but mentally ill, mm-hmm. and she did that this year. I don't know what sentence she got, but anyway, they all— uh, the, Those kids in Broken Arrow had ordered ammo— but they used knives. I mean, that woman killed her husband and four of her kids with a knife, and she was small. Yeah. So I'm not saying that guns don't make it easier, but they certainly don't get the media attention. Absolutely. There was a knife attack this morning in China where eight school children were killed. Oh, yeah. that I read – was that this morning? Yeah. There was another one I read about. I didn't read that this morning, but I read something just like that recently. And then there was a, yeah, there was one in Japan when Trump was over there. I noticed that kids and knife attacks were, wow. There was one in San Francisco not long ago, too. So those, those, yeah, it was East China, I remember, because I thought, oh, maybe they're trying to set up the Uyghurs, but no, that would be West China. And, and San Francisco, there was one in San Francisco. This was a few weeks ago, yeah. I think like four or five people. So well, those, stories of yeah. those have been on the rise as well. I've noticed that first it was AIDS, then it's that's less relevant. But then drugs, terrorism, guns—they, they, these scares, these the advertising on that as tragic needs for intervention really come in waves, one at a time. And they bring this whole host of excuses for why we need our our rights limited. 
And the problems are never really solved. Like opioid deaths go up. We're addressing yeah. it, quote now, but it won't really solve the problem. Yeah. Terrorism will make a resurgence. Gun control. So they, this goes to what you often say. Gun control isn't they're, – they're not going to just – even if they could get away with it, they would not ban and confiscate all guns. First, they're doing mental health stuff, background checks. It's about surveillance, censorship on social media. They use these these things for – very broad-based reforms you know, that are totally unconstitutional. There's a story that fits right into that. It's about AI-powered security cameras that are going to be using real-time analytics and what's called intelligent video that will be able to respond to threats based on the way people dress, their mannerisms, the, uh, their guns, and their facial expressions. They'll be able to identify guns, recognize facial expressions – Look at the way people are moving, how they react, what their face looks like, and determine if they're a threat or not. And this is being tested in Atlanta, among other places. And the cameras, while also checking in on the face to see if they, quote, look violent, if they look violent. So I guess there's a mass shooter face you can have on. Oh, my God. You should see the face of that chick who stabbed her family. It was like beatific in its serenity. Yes, I remember that. I remember seeing that in the papers here. This is also – this technology is also going to be used in in stores to identify big spenders (laughs) by the way that their face looks and their mannerisms. If they said that it was in casinos, I would really buy it, but – I, I don't know. I, they, I do think that they use that surveillance stuff in stores first. And, of course, I never object to it because I don't – they're probably going to sell me something I want. That's fine. But Alexa and Amazon are using that emotion recognition stuff, right? Didn't we talk about that? Yeah, I think are. I brought that story mm-hmm. a while back. So, wow, that's a lot of news. That's Tuesday. That's uh, after a long weekend. That's how it is. You can find your drive time prop every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. on thepropreport.com or on your favorite podcasting platform as part of our podcast, The Propaganda Report. We'll talk to you all tomorrow.